Amen. Thank you, ladies. Open your Bibles again, if you will, to our text passage tonight in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Count you many blessings. It's hard to complain when your mouth is full of praise. And a good, good song. And enjoyed that so much. I had prepared or began preparing this sermon several days ago. And it was not until I read through it the last time, reading through the outline the last time, before coming into church that I recognized uh, what all was in this passage of Scripture, thinking about this being Thanksgiving week. For example, look at verse number 3. God uh, meets which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Isn't that good? <laughs> look at verse number 4. Every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. It is, it is to be, if it be received with thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving week, this time to eat, right? <laughs> then I saw in verse number six, nourished up, and then I looked at my sermon, and here's the title of my sermon. I'm not kidding. God's exercise program. <laughs> and I didn't recognize, I didn't think about it being Thanksgiving week, and all of those words about Thanksgiving and being thankful for turkey and ham and whatever kind of meat you can kill. And, uh, but, but, but anyway, I, I want you to notice verse number 7. And he makes this statement. He says uh, that we are to exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I think it would uh, do us good to listen uh, tonight to the message just about 32 or 33 minutes. Heavenly Father... I thank you for church, I thank you for family, I thank you for the Word of God, and I pray that the Word of God would give nourishment and we would receive it. I pray that we would not leave it on the table, I pray that we would not reject it, but we would receive it, Lord, knowing that we need your Word, we need truth, and I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight, I desire to be a vessel used in your hands, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This passage of Scripture deals with Christians being strong in truth, strong in spiritual faith and in the truths of God's Word. And it tells us in the last days there will be a lot of ideas, a lot of ideologies, a lot of false things that are going to come along. But he said, I want you to be, want you to be strong in faith. I want you to be strong in what you know. And I want you to exercise yourself unto godliness. He tells us that in the last days, now he's talking about today, the latter days is a word he uses here, in the latter days that many will depart from the faith and they will follow these uh, hollow and empty ideas and ideologies. Now I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned. Uh, what, what, what if we took away the generation of grandparents and even parents and we left in our church with uh, teenagers and college students. And I uh, wonder who would be strong enough to lead. If dad was taken from your family, a spiritual leader, as my father was, and at the age of 21, uh, my father uh, was gone and my two younger brothers, and uh, there was some uh, dependency upon me and several areas and certainly the area of spirituality teenagers do you know what you believe but not just what you believe can you back it up with God's word 
And he tells us here to be strong. Be strong in faith. And he says in verse number 7, to refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Now, it is obvious the illustration that Paul intends here. He intends to use the illustration of physical exercise. Look at verse number 8, and he says, For bodily exercise profiteth little. didn't say it didn't profit at all, but it says it profiteth little. And there is a comparison made here, but godliness is profitable. In the previous verse, he said, Exercise thyself to godliness. He would have Christians to be just as determined to strengthen themselves or to train the spiritual man as some would be in training their bodies. Gyms are full of people exercising to develop their muscles, improve their coordination. And that's good. It's helpful. It's healthy. It's a good thing to do. But he says that is little compared to what we need in godliness. Are you with me tonight, church? Very simple illustration, isn't it? My brother tells one of the one of the best jokes, I would list it in the top five jokes I've ever heard. My brother tells the story, I think he told it two or three years ago. He said, my mom, I'm talking about Chris, our brother Chris. Uh, he said, my mom was on to me and on to me about losing weight. And said, Chris, you need to join a gym. You need to exercise. You need to lose weight. He said, so I finally have. And he said, so far, he said, I've lost $149. Now, mom doesn't think that's funny, but anyway, that, 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 that's sort of the way it works. Now, Paul is saying is important, in fact, more important, than folks would exercise themselves physically, you need to exercise yourself to godliness. Believers should be just as intent on developing their spiritual well-being. Set realistic goals that become progressively more difficult to achieve. No shortcuts. No shortcuts in exercise. You just have to go step by step by step. Be strong in knowledge and faith in the truths of the Word of God. Now how strong is strong? What, what, what is our goal here? When we think about being spiritual, what would our goal be? How strong does He want us to be spiritually? Does He want us to be stronger than the best Christian we know? Is that our goal? Never is. Never does God have us to compare ourselves among ourselves. But you know who the goal is? Christ. Christ is our example. That way you and I don't have to worry about pride. We don't have to worry about those things because we're not comparing ourselves to ourselves, but we're comparing ourselves to Christ. So godliness means God-likeness. That's what it means. Take your Bibles and go, if, we, if you will, to the book of Romans in chapter 8. And it's interesting the wording in this verse and talking about the fact that you and I are predestined to be conformed 
to the image of God's Son. I want you to look at the wording of this verse. Now, now the first truth we began with in God's exercise program is that you and I are to be strong spiritually, and to do that, we are to exercise ourselves, therefore, unto godliness or godlikeness. And our goal, the one we look to, is Christ. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 8, verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. The word conformed and the word transformed are interesting words, and I'll not go into the study of those, but it means to form like or to shape like the image of his Son. Now, it's already determined that's what I'm supposed to be like. That's what's right. Are you with me tonight? It's what's right. I'm supposed to be becoming like Christ. Now, we have two options. We can cooperate with God's purpose and make it easy on ourselves. Or we can rebel against the work of the Holy Spirit within us and make becoming like Christ difficult in our lives. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Have you ever considered the word chasten, chastise, or chastisement? Hebrews chapter 12 talks about chastisement. Most often we associate chastisement or chastening with punishment. And that is correct and yet both words are used separately. Because you see chasten is somewhat different than punishment though it is related. Punish is the suffering for wrongdoing. But chasten means to make right or make what is wrong right or what is weak strong. Chasten means to correct or to make right. Now we already saw in Romans 8, 29 that it's not just our choice. It's not just if we want to, but we're predestined. God is determined that when he saved us, he didn't save us to leave us where we were, but he saved us to make us more like Christ. Paul said, you should therefore exercise yourself unto godliness. Now let's look and see what Hebrews chapter 12 says. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not. Now, he's going to then use in these next few verses the fact that we as fathers, we chasten our children. Now, the word chasten means we require to do right. Chasten is different than punish. Punish is a punishment for doing wrong, but chasten means I'm requiring you to do right. You have no choice in the matter. If you live in my house, you eat my food, you live here, I'm your father, you will do right and I will chasten you to do right. Now I said this already. 
If I'm to be conformed to the image of his son, that's God's will. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing inside me, working to make me like him. I have a choice. I can make it easy on myself and exercise myself, therefore, unto godliness. Or I can make it hard on myself and God will chasten me to make me do that which is right. Now, I want you to notice what verse number 9 says. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Correct means to make right. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and Live. He's pretty serious about this, isn't he? Now look at verse number 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Now, that's not exactly what it sounds like, though that's what I thought growing up. I thought he's just doing this for the fun of it, but it ain't no fun to me. Uh, but it wasn't pleasure, but it's to make life livable. It was, to, it was to keep me from bringing shame and reproach in the name of the family. So my father required of us, you're going to do right. You live in my house, you're going to do right. Then he said, but he for our profit. God does this for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Look at verse number 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, I want you to notice this, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now there are three positions that I think of people being in. Please stay with me and I'll help put this together for us with an illustration in just a moment. First of all, we have folks that are lost and they are sinners. They satisfy their flesh. That's what sinners do, Ephesians chapter 2. Then there are folks, they are saved but carnal. They're born again, but their life is not yet changed. The Holy Spirit of God is working in them. Uh, They're like the Christians at Corinth. They're very carnal. Uh, they want to go to heaven, but they still want to satisfy the flesh. And there's not a lot of happiness, not a lot of joy in the carnal Christian life. And God's not satisfied because you weren't predestined to go from being a sinner to a saved carnal Christian. You were saved to become like Christ, which is a saved spiritual Christian. Are you with me thus far? Now, what if I do not exercise myself unto godliness? What if I by choice do not decide to exercise myself unto godliness? Here's what God does. He puts me in spiritual therapy. Physical therapy? No. Physical therapy. Spiritual therapy. That's the illustration. Now he said, you can exercise yourself unto godliness or, or I will come in with chastening. Now punishment is the price for doing wrong. Chastening is to make you do that which is right. Now chastening, it produces uh, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You get there either way, but it's easier to do it by choice than it is by force. Have you had a family member or maybe yourself, you've had a surgery or you've been in the hospital and, and perhaps uh, confined to a bed three or four or five days 
it, it's, it, it is scary how quickly the muscle mass goes away. And, 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 and somebody that's in the hospital for a week or two weeks after a surgery, sometimes folks have had to learn to walk again. How many of you know somebody like that? You, you know somebody, they were in the hospital and uh, they were there so long that they couldn't walk and, and, and they lost the control of themselves as far as their muscles. So what happened was they had to go to physical therapy. Now physical therapy is just like chastisement. It's not enjoyable for the present, but it works. In recent years, especially in our country, physical therapy is a big deal because they realize that through physical therapy, we can do what we think we can't do. If we're told to, to walk, we say, I can't do that. And the therapist said, well, just take one step. Now, they're always lying because they ain't ever satisfied. And if they tell you to bend your arm as far as you can, and they say, is that as far as you can bend it, you'll say yes, and then they move it four more inches, right? That's the way it is. Now, that's what chastisement is. Now, God saved me to make me like Christ. And I have a choice. I can do it by exercise and by decision. Or he can put me into spiritual therapy to make me do what I ought to do. You say, preacher, give me some spiritual exercises. What is godliness? What is God-likeness? What are some spiritual exercises? There's several we could list. I'll list six. First of all, prayer is a spiritual exercise. God's people ought to be people of faith in God enough that we pray. Those who pray often find it easier to pray. If you read of the life of Christ in the matter of prayer, you'll find that Jesus prayed often. You'll find that he prayed early in the morning. You'll find that he prayed about everything. You'll find that before he chose the disciples, he spent a night in prayer. You'll find that before he began his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days of prayer and fasting. You'll find that everything Jesus did, he first spent time with the Father, and Jesus was saying always, not my will, but thine be done. And the Bible said of Christ, he did always those things that pleased the Father and everything he did he began with prayer so if I'm going to be like Christ everything I do I ought to do it first by prayer prayer I yield my will to his will prayer I get the mind of Christ prayer I surrender to him the more a Christian prays the easier they find it to pray I'll give you another exercise reading and studying the word of God I, I, I want to be careful because I don't have time here to talk about the importance of reading the Bible, but you can no more survive in the Christian life, you can no more thrive in the Christian life without reading the Bible than you can going through life and not eating food and drinking water. 
The Word of God is our spiritual strength. It is our food. The Bible said that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is not here today. I know that the Holy Spirit is here. But the way I fellowship with Christ, the way I get the mind of Christ, the way I get the heart of God in my life is to read the Word of God. I just finished reading in my Bible reading, and I probably say this too often, but, but, but I just finished reading about the, uh, the plagues that God sent to Egypt. And I thought, boy, it would have been a lot easier if he just did what God said to do because God's will is going to be done. Now, when I read that, I realize no need for me to rebel against the will of God. No need for me to rebel against the word of God. What God has said, that's what I ought to do. So spiritual exercise, first of all, to pray. Second of all, read the word of God. Third of all, I need to be faithful to God's house. We can take that from the Old Testament all the way through. God was very angry when they, when they forsook assembling and coming together and they would forget him and they would forget his Sabbaths. We come to the New Testament. He tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to attend church not just for ourselves to hear and to learn. We need to attend church to be an encouragement to others. Spiritual exercise. For we ought to be a witness for Christ. Those who witness find it easier to witness. We ought to hunger to be fishers of men. Number five, we ought to yield to the Holy Spirit. It ought to be a daily exercise. I yield myself, God, to you. I yield my body to you. I yield my mind to you. I yield my spirit to you. I want to be pleasing, so I give myself to you. It ought to be an exercise in the Christian's life. Giving is a part of the Christian's life. Giving recognizes all that I have. God gave it to me, so I give back to him. And the more a person gives, the more faithfully we give to the Lord, the easier we find it is to give. Through the many years of serving as a pastor, I've seen God chasing many of his children. I've seen people start, I've seen folks stop exercising in the matter of prayer. They stop prayer meeting Wednesday night. Prayer was not a daily exercise. And so God brought difficulty in their life, a challenge, a sickness. A fear. You know what folks want you to do for them over here in the emergency room? You tell them you're a preacher, you tell them you're a Christian, you know what they want you to do? Pray for them. Go see them two days before, before they got to the emergency room and see if they'll let you pray with them. I don't know about you, I don't want to be chastened to pray, I want to exercise in this matter of prayer. I don't, want to come to, I don't want to come to Wednesday night prayer meeting because I'm in trouble. You see, those who, those who exercise themselves in prayer, they find it easier to pray. But we come to a place in our life that things in this world and the cares of the world and the riches of the world, they become more important to us than prayer. And God said, now wait a minute. You're supposed to be becoming more like me, not like the world. Don't do that. And the preacher says, don't do that. Don't do that. And God said, all right, I'll have to chasten you. 
Now, what he's saying here, I'll put you in spiritual therapy. How many times have we said to our children, you will do your homework first. You will do your chores first. There is a punishment. There is a chastisement. Chastisement is not just a punishment. It is not just getting two or three licks with a belt or a paddle or what have you. But it's saying you are going to do right. Before you go play, before you eat supper, before you do, you are going to do right. And that's what chastening means. God said you're supposed to be becoming like my son. You can do it by choice and that's what I want you to do. I want it to be easy for you to pray. I want you to hunger to pray. You say, preacher, exercise is not easy. No, but it's a whole lot easier than physical therapy. Are you listening to me? It's a whole lot easier. Exercise is not easy, but it is easier than physical therapy. I've seen Christians get in the word of God as a result of God chastening them in their lives. I visited folks that were rebellious against the will of God until a tragedy came. Many times I've gone to a home, I've gone to a jail cell, and I've found men studying the Bible. You know, when men write me, I get letters most every week from jails and prisons. You know what they write about? The Bible. Hear me. Listen. If they'd have prayed and read the Bible before, they wouldn't be in prison. I don't know about you, I don't want to go to physical therapy. I don't want to go to spiritual therapy. I want to exercise myself, therefore, unto godliness. Now, here's what the Bible says. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The therapy does the same thing as the exercise. While the exercise is difficult, I don't want to go into therapy because I won't exercise and I don't do what's right to do. I heard a Christian man. I knew he was a Christian. He'd been a Christian for years, but I was shocked to hear him witnessing to another man and told that man you need to get church you need to get in church and get right with God now here's what he said he said God had to give me cancer before I took being a Christian serious you know what he was saying I'm in spiritual therapy right now I'm not saying that God would not have given him cancer. I'm telling you what he told, what he testified. He said, I had to go through treatments and be sick before I realized the importance of praying, before I realized the importance of witnessing. And he said, he said, preacher, you pray for us. You pray for us. There was no shame 20 years ago. That man wouldn't go to church. He would tell you he was saved. He would tell you he'd been born again. He would tell you, yes, I'm saved and yes, have been baptized but he'd rather run around all weekend long he'd rather fish and hunt and do all the things of the world and God said all right I gave you 15 years to exercise and I'm going to put you in therapy because I didn't save you to be like the world I saved you to be like my son Jesus Christ that's what I saved you for I've seen carnal Christians attend church because of a difficulty too busy or prosperous to attend church. But they came to the place that God said, you're going to do what I said for you to do, even 
if it hurts to do it. There are many examples in the Bible. I'll give you just one. God told Jonah, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. The Bible says Jonah went the other way. Instead of him going to Nineveh, he got on a boat and he paid the fare and he went down to Tarshish. Jonah had been a whole lot easier if you'd have just done the will of God. A storm came. They started talking. What are we going to do about the storm? Jonah, Jonah finally confessed. He told him, he said, I know why the storm is here. I'm running from God. They threw him overboard. God had prepared a fish. I don't know about you. I think God's prepared a fish for all of us. I don't want to meet mine. I'd rather just do the will of God. But they threw Jonah overboard and that fish took Jonah and it took him to the depths of the, uh, of the ocean, the depths of the water. Jonah described the punishment. Jonah described the chastening. God wasn't just trying to make Jonah miserable because of his disobedience. God chastened Jonah. And let me tell you something. When he came out of the belly of that well, friend, he got to Nineveh a whole lot quicker than you normally would go because he went under the chastening of the Lord. He said, I didn't think I could do this, but after I've been through therapy, I can do a whole lot more than I thought I could. Notice, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 12, there are two things that we're told here in verse number 5. He said, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. The word despised, it means that we're not to ignore or neglect or be angry about the chastisement. Now, I want you to notice that he chastens every son. So there is a bit of chastening for all of us. How many times have we said to a teacher or even our parents, but, but I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. No, 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 I can't. Try. Well, I can't. Well, you're going to try. Or it's going to be a whole lot worse if you, if you didn't try. Okay, Daddy, I'll try. It's amazing what you can do. Now, he gives some chastening to every child of God. That's what he said. Don't despise it. Don't ignore it. Don't despise the chastening because I don't want to go to the place that God gives me no choice, but he forces me to do what is right to do. And then notice the word, if you will. He says, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. The word faint means, uh, it, it, faint is different than being knocked unconscious. You get hit in the head, you get knocked out. Faint means that you give up consciousness. When God puts us into physical therapy or spiritual therapy, sometimes we say, I just can't do that. That's what it means when he says, don't faint. Let me ask you a question tonight. Tell me about your spiritual exercise program. Let's compare our prayer life not to one another but to Christ. Let's compare our desire to do the will of the Father to that of Christ. 
Let, let, let's compare these godly exercises as we read of the life of Christ and we go through the Gospels and we see what he did as he witnessed, as he cared, as he was kind, as he had compassion. You say, but, but, but I, I, I'm just not a kind person. It's amazing what you can do if you decide to do. Well, I'm not very compassionate. We can learn to be. In fact, it's a whole lot easier to exercise than it is to go through the spiritual therapy of kindness. You know what the Bible says of the poor? The poor use entreaties. God could make us poor. And so he is saying here that you and I are to be like Christ. What is our exercise program? Teenagers, let me ask you a question. How strong are you getting in your prayer life? How much of the Word of God do you know? Now, I've, I've heard reports there were 20 children, I believe it, this is right, 20 or 22 children that today went to, a, uh, went to a party this afternoon. 20 or 22 children, and they got to go to that party because they memorized and quoted the Ten Commandments. That's a good thing. To study, to memorize the Word of God. This past Wednesday night, Brother Davis told me how many hundred Bible verses that teenagers memorized. Hear me well, it's important for you to memorize them here, but you make sure you let them go from here down to here. Thy word have I hid in my heart, not my head. Now, I'm not, I'm not complaining or criticizing memorizing it in your head, but pay attention to what you're memorizing because there'll come a day that you won't have a father or mother to lead you. And some of you teenagers, you're pushing on your mom and dad about church and you're trying to get them out of church. I want to tell you something. It's best to exercise yourself in godliness than for God to put you in spiritual therapy. How strong are we young married couples? Are you young married couples? Are you reading the word of God together? Have you started your family devotions yet, young married couples? Are you reading the word of God together? Are you praying together? As children come into your life and God blesses you with children, they need to see mom and dad with a Bible open. And they need to understand that your home is a Christian home. It's not a Christian home because you're a Christian. It's a Christian home because of your behavior. And young couples, you ought to be reading the word of God. There's going to come difficulty in your life and you need to have strength as he said in 1 Corinthians or 1 Timothy chapter 4, when these difficulties and challenges come in these latter days that you're strong enough to overcome that and be strong in the Lord, are you having a family Bible and prayer time together? Young married couples. You say, we go to church every service. That's good. You need to walk with God every day. Let's determine that we're going to get with God's exercise program. The lost and sinners, saved and carnal, saved and spiritual. I rejoice that I came from this place of unsaved and a sinner to the place that I was born again by the grace of God. But I'm glad I learned that God wanted me to become like him. 
because the benefits of the Christian life, now I'm saved and I have the eternal benefit of being a Christian, but the benefits of the Christian life on this earth comes when I move from being carnal to being spiritual. You say, well, that's for some people. No, it's for every saved person. Hebrews chapter 12, every son whom he receiveth, he expects to do right. You say, well, I don't feel any pressure, then I'd be worried. Because if God is not pushing you to do right, you may not be his son. He's pushing on me. And as Paul said, I press toward the mark. I don't, I don't know that anybody actually enjoys exercise. We enjoy the benefit of exercise. But I will tell you, exercise is a whole lot easier than physical therapy. Stand with me, if you will. God's exercise program. I don't want to come to church because I'm in trouble. I want to come to church because I'm in love with him. I don't want to pray because I'm in trouble. We've all prayed in the emergency room. I've prayed there many times for others and myself. But I'm glad it wasn't the only time that day or that week I'd prayed. God, help us to want to do right.